comes the bride with a knife that's one inch wide. Where is the groom dead in the dressing room? Stabbed in the heart because death do us part. Hello and welcome to Death Do Us Part. I'm Jeremy. Spooky edition. Oh, I blew that one. <laughs> I didn't think about it till right then, and I was like, I'm going to try and throw it in there, but you talk too fast, so I fucked that up. But Welcome to Death Do Us Part. You're not, you're not... Spooky edition. Oh, Jesus Christ. We are not. We're not. Uh, we're not on point. No. It's too bad. No, we are It's too pointless. bad for the audience. Um... But you are. <laughs> but I'm on point? No, you're Jeremy. Yeah, I said my name. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Laura. And welcome to our podcast. It's only two been... Two brain cells formerly known as Laura. It's only been 92 episodes and some change with some mini episodes. And we're still here. Doing about as well as we did when we first started. I think we were more professional when we first started. Perhaps the first episode. I used to listen to every episode and edit out like long pauses and yawns, but that's just not authentic because we are two very tired parents and adults. So I think this just adds to her. So hard not to yawn when you said that because just saying (laughs) the word yawn makes me yawn now. Wow, it's that contagious. That's who I am as a person. Um, But it is Halloween basically it is halloween this is true we have Um, two days tonight tomorrow and then it's halloween yeah that's how behind we are in recording it's friday the friday before halloween uh it could have been the it was almost the saturday before halloween so it's true um i am really impressed by this moment in time i have an old-fashioned that my husband lit on fire at one point, so. Uh, he, he needs to send you the photo so you can at least post it. I asked him to, because he made me hold up a sign in the background. Um, he made you hold like up a artistic, sign? Yeah, so Is I he have starting this a sign that say, like, ghouls just want to have fun. I asked him, I was like, who are you taking this picture for? And he was like, myself. And I was like, nope, nobody does that. Nobody takes artsy drink photos for themselves. Like, what are we going to put it in a scrapbook? Um, And then there's like a bunch of birthday cards in the background. And then I have this like letterboard sign and it says ghouls just want to have fun on it. And so then I put a pumpkin behind his drink and then he had me stand there and hold this sign. So like the background was a pumpkin in this sign. Very nice. Yeah, people who used to do that were just psychopaths because you had to go get your film developed and you couldn't post it anywhere. <laughs> so you stage a photo. The only person who might appreciate it is the creepy guy at Rite Aid, Kinko's, Kinko's who would develop your your film and be like, I feel like hey, I that was a really cool aged, photo. I aged myself so hard just by saying the word Kinko's. I forgot that existed. Okay, I'm not going to lie. This is not a bad old-fashioned. It's really orangey, um, but that might be because usually we don't have oranges, and we just, like, eliminate that aspect of it, and I actually bought some oranges. Well, why don't you hold your old-fashioned up? I'll hold up my spiked eggnog, and we can say cheers to our patrons. Cheers. 
Of course, our patrons Sarah Eyre at Smile 83 and Jimmy Fuquay at the Jimmy Fuquay on Instagram. You can find us at deathdoespartpodcast.com, at ddupcast on our social meets, and email us at ddup.podcast at gmail.com. And yes, I'm drinking spiked eggnog on October 29th. Yeah, it seems a little early for that. Well, Kelly went to Target for the first time since the pandemic, I think. Is it pumpkin-flavored eggnog? No, it's fireball eggnog. And so it's that like sounds... cinnamon eggnog, and it's truly awful. It's way more I don't delicious. Really like eggnog too way more delicious in the first place. than I expected. Okay, because it does not sound good to me. And it's not spiked; it just has cinnamon in it. I've, actually, I don't know if it has cinnamon in it. I lied. It's fireball eggnog, and I've only ever drinking it by spiking it with hot damn cinnamon schnapps because I'm out of fireball. <laughs> so this drink is just a. It's a bastard of a beverage. That's what this drink is. Wow. So I today, feel like you're missing out because I'm over here in like my really bougie, fancy, photographic drink. And yours sounds a little bit like a mess. But you know what? If you go home at the end of the night, Laura, with the, the dolled up broad or the kind of a mess, they both get the job done. I'm talking about alcohol. Are you? And I personally prefer the prefer the kind of a mess. Um, speaking of Halloween, though, um, our pet peeves. I feel like we did previously, like Halloween pet peeves specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Um, I think we had like a three episode series or something. Yes, I don't remember any of them. It's a new year. I have new pet peeves. Um. And we were going to talk about like creepy, crawly, spooky, like buggy pet peeves. Um, But real quick, I have to throw this one in there. Uh, Our older son, Calvin, who's in preschool, had like a trick-or-treat thing at school. And he brought home way too much candy for a child. Um, But Nick ate a package of his Swedish fish without asking him, which is extremely rude. So rude. Uh, But also, he left the trash on the counter and Calvin saw it. And Calvin was, like, super offended, and he was like, why did you eat my Swedish fish? And then Nick was like, I'm sorry, I should have asked. Um, Basically, I'm a terrible person, I don't know. Um, And then this morning, and so now all the time, Calvin's like, you're not going to eat the rest of my Swedish fish, are you? And Nick has to be like, no. And then this morning, he asked me if I would take all the Swedish fish and gummy bears and hide them in a different bag. (laughs) He's, like, real protective. So they're like hidden in a oh, different man. bag and he knows Nick loves gummy bears so he wanted to hide those too but he's, he's like yeah he's, he's gonna it. have like problems for the rest of his life now about like hoarding and hiding candy because his dad ate some without asking why did you eat my Swedish fish dad and he's never okay he's never even had Swedish fish <laughs> and they're pretty chewy so I highly doubt he's going to end up having Swedish fish this year um, especially with his broken tooth he has now so I just feel like Anyways, it's pretty great. That's pretty funny. Um, yes. Yep. I'd uh, say your son has a Halloween pet peeve about your da- about your husband, his dad. Yep. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the spooky bug pet peeve, um, my pet peeve is actually that everyone in my family, besides me, uh, leaves like the sliding glass door, or it's mostly Nick leaves the. Like, we'll have the garage open, and he'll leave the door from the garage to the house open. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, he just lets every single fly that exists into our house. 
That's the worst. I hate flies I hate in the house. Flies. And then I don't like killing them either, really, and I don't like when they buzz. And so I spend a lot of time trying to capture them between like the screen and then like shut the door or the window. So then they're in between like the the screen and then the window. And then I open the window a little bit and like open the screen <laughs> with like a pencil so they'll leave. Like your fly airlock. Yes, and it's I spent way too much time doing that over this whole entire summer. I hate I hate when they buzz by your ear though. I kill flies with extreme prejudice, and my children have started as well. And you probably remember hearing about our fly infestation. Yes, yes. I Talk about that. a horror movie. So we perpetually always have one fly in the house because the kids always leave the doors open. And that one fly found a treasure trove. He found a rotten lemon that was just sitting on the counter. And he went in that lemon, and he laid some, some baby eggs. So she, right? So she, yeah. I guess. Well, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not going to decide this, the gender of this fly, Laura, but. Um, well, okay. <laughs> I don't know how the fly identifies. Eggs, Jesus. No. Anyway, yes, this fly laid a whole bunch of eggs. I'm presuming, yes, it was a she. Unless flies do something weird like. Seahorses, like seahorses and the, the, the boys carry the eggs. I don't know. But no. So yes, this she fly laid her fucking eggs in a dirty lemon and they hatched. And I Googled it and there can be up to 100 flies that come out of like one hatching. And we'd find like 20 to 30 flies across the warm windows as the sun hit it because they were trying to find life. And uh, we started swatting them, and then I eventually just got the vacuum. And when they fly against the window, they can't escape, so I just vacuum them up. And I dumped out the thing outside in case any of them didn't die from the suction. And there'd be like 30 flies inside my vacuum container, and I would just dump them in the trash can, and it was just disgusting. And the worst part, the worst part, was at night, because they need to go to sleep like every other living creature and they like to sleep on the ceiling in the living room and then they like to crawl next to the recessed lights we have for warmth so they'd like crawl in there and there'd be flies just like in the holes of our ceiling it was demented this is the worst thing i've ever heard so we finally killed them all and we had got rid of the lemon when we found this disgusting infested lemon and after we killed them all they were gone and you know they haven't come back but it was when we first discovered it, it was just we walked in the room. The more that morning, it was fine. There was no flies. It was, you know, maybe that one fly. And then we looked at the window and there were 30 flies. And I'm like, there's a fucking dead body in this house. I've seen horror movies and you follow the flies and you'll find it in a crawl space. There's a dead body somewhere. Well, it was a lemon, but. Hey, dead lemon, I guess. You'd think the acid would like flies would not be about that light. Probably a lot of sugars in there, I guess. I guess, yeah. They just like throw up on stuff anyways to dissolve it, so it's fine. So I can identify with your pet peeve. But now, I yeah. just, if I see a fly, I kill it as fast as possible. Well, yeah, you've gone through something. I've had, I've had you trauma. Ha you have, I was going to say, you have fly trauma. Now, I will say, Kelly did kill a lot of those flies out of necessity. She also told me that your dog kills a lot of those flies. Oh, yeah, she'll trap them against the window as they try to escape. And just lick them off the window and eat them. Uh, see, my cats catch flies, but a lot of times they'll, well, sometimes they'll eat them. And Bandit eats a lot of spiders. Um, like, he likes spiders a lot, but a lot of times he'll catch flies. 
and then like smack them around till their wings fall off and then just leave them that's that's a cat yeah and then he'll be like well it's dead now so this is not fun and i'm not hungry and then just like leave it on the floor so my pet peeve and although kelly did kill many flies why is it the default job of the man in a relationship to kill the spiders and bugs and kelly i wouldn't say she's afraid of them really but it still tends to be my job or the kids come to me expect me to do it and I had a thought about this. Are we just more disposable? Like, is that why we if have to the, crush the venomous this, creatures? If, I was going to say, if the spider jumps up and bites you and you die, like, we'll still be fine. Like, the family will be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what it is. The man gets bitten by some exotic spider that would kill him. We'll, we'll be okay. We'll make it through. I feel like it's the same reason that, like, they sent men out to, like, hunt and, you know, deal with saber-toothed tigers. Um, cause like if they didn't come back, they were like, it's chill. Like, um, we have fire and stuff. Yeah. We got nuts. Um, we're gathering. Yeah. We, they had we'll food. They had protein. They were fine. They were vegetarians. Yeah. But like if, if the woman went out and got eaten by a saber tooth tiger, like then everything would just go to shit because no one would ever clean anything up ever again. And they'd be like, wow, we had such a nice house. What happened? Why do we live in a trash home now? We are Why unraveling are we garbage dump? our evolution. You're welcome. And so that's why you have to kill the spiders, because if you died, your house would still get vacuumed. There you go. We solved it. Um, I've killed spiders. I don't like to. I don't like spiders. I don't like the way their legs bend. Um... But if there was a spider and it was, like, in the same room as, like, Calvin or Owen, then I will take care of it. If I'm by myself in a room with a spider, I will just stare at it as I text Nick incessantly until he comes and kills it. So I don't I, I remember one night Nick came over to have some drinks on the patio. And it was, like, 11, 10, oh, 10.30. Oh, one night. When I was super pregnant, and there was a spider on my ceiling, and he said, I don't really want to go. I'm not going to be gone that long. And then hours later, he comes back, and he drank too much, apparently, so then he tried to kill the spider that was on the ceiling and fell off a chair. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't you hear that? Yeah. I was just helping you kill your husband, that's all. Yeah, it almost worked. Um, Okay, part of that was because I could not get my giant rotund body onto a chair and even if i did stand on a chair i still can't reach the ceiling no you need a ladder yeah and i wasn't and then you go fall off ladder. and again therein lies the point he's more disposable yeah i was carrying Fact. owen uh, that's funny and you know i don't mind killing him like it doesn't really bug me too much but i i always feel bad when i do it so why am i the one who has to do it i literally well, say why don't you just sorry buddy outside well, sometimes I will, but most of the times, I, you know, he's in my house. Sorry, he's, you know, it's time to die. Uh, I think you built your house on top of his ancestral home, probably, so. And he probably has a lot more ancestors, too, when you think about it. <laughs> um, I would rather, we take them outside a lot, but that doesn't really matter also, because then we turn around and the people come and spray, like, our backyard and, like, our house and everything, so. So they die anyway? Like, yeah, or just, like, delay <laughs> So instead of giving him a, a clean, fast death, you're just going to have him get insecticided. 
Maybe I'm giving him an opportunity to leave and not stay in mm. my backyard, I guess. That's what it is. And that only happens like not even like maybe once a quarter. So you have months to go away. I will say, though, I don't mind being the hero when that happens. If there's like a, a nasty spider or something like that. Because um, I do know some guys who won't do it or they're just as they're, they're more scared than their wives to do it. And one of them, I will text pictures of spiders just because I know oh, that God. he hates seeing them. And I'll purposely text like a spider gif out of the blue. That's like a, one of those giant spiders that's like jumps on somebody's face. He must be dying um, this Halloween because like the rage for decorations around here is giant spiders. The rage. It is though. You know how yeah, they go through like is. phases where like something new comes out and then like everybody buys it. And you're like, well, I'm not buying that because I don't need to have a five foot tall spider that, you know, half my neighbors already have. Well, speaking of spiders, we can get into our murders because mine's somewhat spider related, somewhat. Ooh. The title of the article is Denver Spider-Man Slayer. Yes. And I'll explain to you why (laughs) the etymology of that name. It was a a brisk October night, 80 years ago, in 1941. A 73-year-old man lived in a haunted house. His name was Philip Peters. He had retired in 1930 after working for 40 years for a railroad company. He was married He had one son who was grown with kids of his own. He loved to play the mandolin in a mandolin band. And yes, believe it or not, that detail is quite important. So hold on to that fact. The the mandolin band? Mm -hmm. He had no enemies, no one who wished him harm. He was just a great old man. His wife, however, was ailing, as, as people do when they get to that age, especially in the 1940s. His wife, Helen, had broken her hip. And she was in the hospital. Um, And while she was in the hospital, Philip's neighbor had him over for dinner. And one night on October 17th, um, he just didn't show up for dinner, which was very unlike Philip. Uh, Uh His wife was in the hospital, so his friends went to check on him at his home, and they found him dead on the ground in the house. His walking stick was broken in half. Next to him lie a uh, a butt of a pistol. It... They said a butt of a pistol, like it wasn't on the pistol, or it, the pistol had broken. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And a stove, a stove shaker, and all three had been used to beat him to death with at least 30 hits. Jeez. There was nothing missing from the home, and all of the doors to the house were still locked. So what else could have happened except for a, a haunted death? A haunted happening, or a spider, if you will. A giant, giant spider. A giant spider with a penchant for bludgeoning. Uh, what was the spider's name in Harry Potter? I do not remember. Aragog. Aragog. This was Aragog's uh, old home. This is where he grew up before he went to... Hagrid. Hagrid. Hogwarts. <laughs> I was going to say Hogwarts, but I could not remember if that spider was actually at Hogwarts. I don't know. It was in the Forbidden Forest because Hagrid, Mm. I don't remember how, he got it in like a box and then he brought it to the forest and then it started like hanging out with just regular sized spiders, which somebody riddle me how that works. And then it had a, but no, wait, Hagrid brought it it a wife at one point, I think. 
Your question of how does a big spider hang out with little spiders is like how how does a dober yeah. uh, like a doberman mate with a shih tzu? Yes, not exactly. comfortably. But then I think I remember that uh, he got a wife. Anyways, they had a lot of they had a giant family of giant spiders in the forest Excellent. that could definitely beat the fuck out of someone. Definitely could. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe or it was a haunted house. Or yes. Anyway, while the house was empty, uh, or the house sat empty because Helen did recover from uh, her hip injury. She went back home in February of 1942, just a few months later. Um, she hurt her hip again and had to go back to the hospital. Um, and, so, and that was, uh, and then she went back home in April. So she was in and out of her own home. By April, she was back home, but she couldn't really take care of herself. She was bedridden at that point, so she needed a lot of care. So they had to hire a housekeeper who, after just a few days, had to quit because she saw very strange things in the house. They actually filtered through a few housekeepers and none of them stayed very long, which is like the plot to every horror movie with a haunted house ever. One ran out of the house saying it was haunted. Another said she saw... I was going to say, or like um, nannies, right? They always have like haunted children Mm because those are like the best. Um, and then the nanny always leaves until you get to like the main story nanny. Until you get the main story nanny. Who's the one who's going to save the day or is she going to die? Yeah. I mean, she might need main story nanny isn't like she lasts two months instead of two weeks. Pretty much. Well, uh, one of them ran out of the house saying it was haunted. The other said she saw a pale bony hand sliding around an open door. Well, Helen had a lot of trouble keeping somebody there, and she ended up having to leave to go stay with her son and daughter-in-law in in her twilight years or her her late years. Uh, So the house sat vacant, and it became known as the, um, it became known to be haunted, and they called it the the Moncrief Ghost, um, who is haunting it. And strange happenings continued and continued. And the murder case of Philip went cold, and he was clearly murdered. He was bludgeoned 30 times. There was a multiple murder weapons around him it was not a suicide and his wife couldn't have done it she was in the hospital Um, he had no enemies he died inside a locked house with no leads no motive nothing but the police and this surprised me that the police actually kept an eye on the house for quite some time because in july of that year two police officers saw a curtain move in the house and they ran into the house guns drawn broke down the front door and I thought to myself, why didn't someone just give them the fucking keys if they were watching the house and it was vacant? Yeah. Whatever. You know, whatever. Um, they heard noises coming from the closet. They saw a leg that was just about to disappear through a hole. And one of the police officers grabbed the leg, yanked on it, and pulled out a fully dressed man in tattered clothes who absolutely stunk. He lived in the ceiling, didn't he? The man promptly fainted as they pulled him out. He was very malnourished. He was about six feet tall and only 75 pounds. Oh, my gosh. The hole they found led to the home of what the media called the Denver Spider-Man Slayer. Because this was in Denver. He lived like a spider inside the home of Philip and Helen. And he was a slayer because he killed Philip. So that ties it to our creepy crawlies. Because nothing's more creepy crawly in your house than if there's a... A freaking human living in your attic somehow. 
I have definitely heard this story before. I did not know he was called that, but I remember the story of the guy who like lived in the attic because when we moved into our house, I made like us open the attic and look at it to make sure that no one was up there. That's very brilliant, actually. And I have been in ours. Yeah. There's nobody up there. Yeah, and then anymore. we had electric work. We had electric work done, and we also know that there's still nobody up there. Well, when they went up there, they found blankets, an ironing board, newspapers, a cobbled together bed. There were cans of food everywhere. Um, it was a radio, and all in a very tight space that stunk like shit. His name yeah, was. Yeah, because I would assume he had to use the bathroom up there. Unless he held it until they went to bed. Um, his name was Theodore Edward Connies, and he was 59 when they found him. He grew up sick as a child. He couldn't really play outside, um, so he practiced the mandolin. All full circle. Oh. The doctors thought he'd die before he reached 18, but clearly he did not. His family moved from Illinois to Colorado, and that's when he met Philip at the mandolin club. They had the kid over. They liked him. He was cool. Um, they had him over for dinner. He was a teenager at the time. Um, he was super nice, and... When he grew up, he just couldn't make it as a working man. Like, he just couldn't keep a job. He kept floating around. In 1917, he started traveling, trying to find his way in the world. And he ended up back in Colorado in 1941. So he left in 1917, came back in 1941, um, where he once again found Philip and Helen. And they were really nice to him back then. But when he arrived at Philip's house... And he figured they probably wouldn't recognize him anyway, but, you know, they were always nice people. They weren't there. Mm -hmm. They were at the hospital since Helen had broken her hip. So he decided to sneak into the house just to get some food. And then he decided he was just going to live there. So that's a uh, pretty crazy story. That's so weird. Yes. What a decision. And he just stayed. Yeah. Uh, so yes, um, sorry, my notes just crashed, but um, from memory, uh, so he was sneaking down. He would wait until they fell asleep, and he'd listen to him snoring, um, Philip. And okay. when he heard him snoring, he would sneak down, eat some food, um, and then go back to his little little nook in the attic. Um, but one night when he was sneaking down, Philip woke up and had to go to the bathroom or something, and he, he saw Theodore, and Theodore just, you know, he was ragged, you know, terrible looking. He didn't recognize him at all. He was wearing rags, um, and he said, I'm going to call the police. So Theodore grabbed the gun that was hanging on the wall, and he started just hitting Philip. And Philip was the only one home at the time, since Helen was still in the hospital, Um and then he grabbed the stove shaker. He kept hitting him until he stopped moving. Then Theodore grabbed his food and went back to the attic. He, so he just bludgeoned him to death, got some food, and went to the attic, probably in a great panic. Yeah. Then the house was vacant from October until they found him uh, off and on, right, with the, the help that people – so people did catch glimpses of him. They weren't uh -huh. just imagining things. There was actually a person. So, like, imagine, like, Oh, it feels like someone's watching me. Well, somebody actually was watching them. That's so creepy. And so when it became vacant, he described it as hellish, uh, hellish, terrible nightmare because it was so cold in the attic. 
he would sneak down to the cellar and he found some old canned goods, which helped him survive. But as you, as you know, and I said, uh, he was 75 pounds when they found him. Why didn't he just leave? I don't know. I mean, they were watching the house. He probably knew they were watching the house, the police. You know, the curtain probably moved because he was looking outside the window. Yeah. So he was sentenced to life in prison. And uh, honestly, it was a, a far better life than he had had for decades. And they called him <laughs> the forgotten man of the penitentiary because he never caused any trouble. And he ended up dying in 1967 at the age of 85. So next time you hear that weird creak in your house, just make sure it's not a person living in your attic. (laughs) So creepy. Creepy crawlies. Our house kind of creaks like when people walk around anyways. So now like anytime, I mean, it's usually very loud, but anytime like all the kids are gone, I'm going to be like, was that Nick or was it someone else? So I work from home, and the kids go to school. Uh, they leave before 8, usually, to get to school. And for a few days in a row this summer, I heard beeping in my house. And this was after everyone left. And sometimes I'd be on a phone call or, or something like that. And one time it was beeping. I wasn't on a call. I got up, and I tracked it down, and I heard it coming from Bennett's room. And when I walked in the room, it stopped. And it took me a, a, a couple more times to figure it out. He had an alarm set on his PJ Masks uh, watch for 8 a.m. that went off <laughs> uh, uh, most mornings. I don't know why it didn't go off some, not the others. And so when I finally tracked it down to that thing, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I have been like freaking out like, what is beeping in my house? I couldn't track it down because it, it didn't beep that long by the time I found where the sound was. So the final time I, I knew the beeping was coming from his room. So when I heard it, I just ran in there as fast as I could. And I isolated the noise and I was like, really? So he got home from school. I'm like, you got to turn off that alarm at 8 a.m. After you leave the house, it does not help you. Uh, he probably one didn't know he said it, but you can set like alarms. So they go only go off on like certain days. So it probably, that's didn't. probably what it was. It probably didn't even go off every single day. It went off like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something. <laughs> You're welcome. It's Best gas- gift ever. He's gaslighting me. <laughs> um, so my murder is uh, a little less crawly, but still um, creepy. Um, and it was snakes. Um, so it was a husband and wife. Um, Suraj and Uthra, who had met via the services of a matrimonial broker. Always good so, stuff. So, uh, obviously, it was just true love at first. Um, Contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, Suraj's father was an auto rickshaw driver and his mother was a homemaker. Uthra, um, who was three years younger than him, Uh, suffered from learning disabilities, but came from a significantly more well-off family. Um, Her father was a rubber trader, and her mother was a retired school principal. I thought you were going to say her father was a rubber tree. And I was like, (laughs) wow, this is a weird story. Keep going. (laughs) Um, So when they got married, um, Suraj accepted a dowry from Uthra's parents of 768 grams of gold, which is like $32,000. 
a Suzuki sedan and um, 400,000 rupees in cash. He also would receive 8,000 rupees a month from her parents to quote-unquote look after their daughter. Wow. Um, so uh, what happened was um, she had already, his wife Uthra had been um, bit by a snake um and it wasn't seen as anything like crazy she'd been bit by um a snake uh russell's viper which is a highly venomous earth-colored snake responsible for thousands of deaths in india every single year um and so she was actually in the hospital for 52 days and had to get three painful surgeries to heal her leg that had been bitten that's crazy yeah, so she had just finally been released um, from the hospital, and she was actually staying at her parents' house um, to kind of, like, recover and have them help with her recovery. So, at the same time, um, her husband, Suraj, um, spent $92, so 7,000 rupees, for a spectacle cobra, which is one of the most venomous snakes in the world. Um, so he got it in a plastic container. He drilled a hole in the plastic container to let air flow in, put the Cobra inside of this container and took it home. Um, 13 days later, he put the container in a bag and took it with him to his in-laws house where his wife was recovering from her other mysterious snake bite. Jeez. So then this is the night of May 6th. Um, While Uthra was still recovering, um, she drank a glass of fruit juice from Siraj that he had laced with sedatives. Um, So the mixture knocked her out and she was like super asleep. Um, Then Siraj brought out the container containing the cobra, overturned it, and dropped the five-foot-long snake on his sleeping wife. Um... And so this kind of snake that he got, like, they don't really just attack for no reason. They're not, like, a mm-hmm. angry snake, I guess. Like, they're chill unless they feel threatened. So rather than attack her, the snake was like, what the fuck? And it just kind of, like, slithered away. Um, Suraj picked it up and flung it again on Uthra. But again, it was like, the fuck, dude? And it just slithered away. <laughs> um, so he tried a third time. This time, he held the reptile, like, by its hood, its, like, little cobra hood, and then pressed its head against her arm. Um, And so this time, the cobra was, like, literally, what the fuck? And it was agitated, and so it shot out its fangs at the front of its mouth and bit her twice. Um, Then it slinked off to a shelf in the room um, and just, like, curled up and stayed there all night. Um, so basically, and what they figured out is like, because these cobras don't bite unless you provoke them, that he literally had to grab the snake and force it to bite his wife. Um, so then Suraj washed the juice glass, um, destroyed a stick that he had that he was using to help him safely handle the snake. Um, and he deleted the incriminating call records on his phone to the guy that he bought the snake from Hmm. on the black snake market. Um, so when Uthra's mother entered the room the next morning, she told the police that she saw her daughter lying on the bed on her side with her mouth open and like her left hand just like dangling. And also Suraj was still in the room. 
like he slept there. Like he killed his wife with a snake and then was just night, like cleaned up a little bit and then was like night, night. Um, Wow. That's crazy. So, uh, Uther's mother was like, why did you not check whether she was awake? And he was just like, Oh, I just, you know, didn't want to disturb her. And they were like, bro. So they rushed her to the hospital where the doctors pronounced that she was already dead by poisoning and they called the police um, they did an autopsy on her where they found the uh, two pairs of puncture wounds less than an inch apart on her left forearm. Um, and then they did blood samples, which revealed the presence of the co- both the cobra venom and the sedative drugs, mm-hmm. um, which made them be like, um, this was obviously a homicide and not just an accidental, you know, cobra bite. Uh, and then it said that cobra venom can kill in just hours by paralyzing your respiratory muscles. So you basically like you just kind of air drown. Yeah, suffocate. That's the word. Air drown, though. You air drown, naturally. Um. So uh, Uther's parents like kept following up with the police and they said that it had to be Suraj. Um, so on the 24th of May, which is like not even a month later, um, the police arrested him in connection with his wife's unusual death. Um, they had a 78 day investigation, which again, does not seem that long when you think about the length of investigations that like we have here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they had a trial. There was more than 90 people, including doctors and like snake uh, specialists who testified, um, the prosecution used his call records um his internet history uh they actually went to the backyard and they dug up and found the body of the cobra oh wow Um, so he he, he, killed the cobra and buried it yeah um they found a stash of sedatives in his car um and they actually found out that's how they found out that he bought not only one but two snakes and they found out but he actually had purchased the Russell's Viper, which had bitten Uthra months mm-hmm. earlier and put her in the hospital for 52 days. So he deleted some phone calls on his phone. and was like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and then finally, kind of like the nail in the coffin and like for his case was that um, this guy named Suresh, who was the snake catcher, actually turned in, on Suraj and confessed that he sold him both of the snakes. Oh. Um, yeah. And then also um, the uh, snake scientist told the court that the way that their windows were um in their house like even if they were open that it was like highly unlikely that a cobra would have ever like put in the effort to enter the couple's bedroom through an open window um and they actually recreated the crime scene using a live cobra a snake handler handler and a dummy of like a victim on the bed and so basically what they proved is that cobras are not active at night. They're not out to just like bite people and be feisty for no reason. And they said every single time that they dropped the cobra on cobra on the dummy, um, it slithered to the floor and went into a dark corner of the room. Even when they provoked the cobra, it did not try to bite. It just tried to like fuck off. Hmm, that's interesting. You see, so, you see cobras depicted as so violent and vicious. It's like when, if you're coming up to the cobra's house, 
then I feel like they're like protective. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, like you woke it up in the middle of the night and then you're just like chucking it around and it's literally just trying to get away from you. Um, and so then they said that they eventually had to try and catch the neck of the cobra to induce a bite, a bite, um, on the, uh, they tied like a piece of chicken to the dummy's hand. And then by, when they did that and they like forced it to bite, then the distance between the bites was exactly the same as the distance was on Uthra's arms. So that's how they like proved that he actually had to hold it there and force it to bite because that's how it would create a bite of that size. Oh, otherwise the bite mark would be different. Yeah, if it like lunged at you. Yeah. Also, cobras don't, after they bite a human, commit suicide and bury themselves in the yard. Right. Fun fact. Generally not. Commit suicide, maybe, but bury yourself, that's a challenge. <laughs> that's crazy, um, though. It's so sad because she survived 52-day recovery just for him to go put another snake on her. Yeah. Um, so actually what they they eventually found out, too, was that it wasn't the second, like, that wasn't the second time he tried to kill her, but it was actually the third time that he had attempted to kill his wife in just four months. Wow. Um, so he bought that Russell Viper from the, the snake um, catcher that he'd met. He took it home in a plastic container and hid it under a heap of firewood in the shed. On the 27th of February, he released the snake on the landing of the first floor of his home and then asked his wife to go upstairs um, and get his phone. So his wife, Uthra, saw the viper coiled up and raised an alarm um, and was like, oh, my gosh. And so then Siraj came, picked up the snake with a stick and left the house, uh, which he then went and like put it back in the container and saved it for later. Um, And so then on the night of March 2nd, he tried again, and he this time is when he laced his wife's pudding with sedatives and released the viper into the bedroom while she slept. Um, but it wasn't enough sedatives because she woke up screaming in pain from the bites on her legs, and Siraj had to throw the snake out the window. So he lost um, his snake murder bite cases. Snake bite cases are really common, so like this didn't raise the alarm at the time. Um, yeah, so, and she just found a random snake, and he took it out, like yeah, and then they're oh, like, maybe oh, it just came snake. back, you know. Yeah. Um. So then, while his wife was in the hospital, Siraj, they found by digging up his like search history, was like searching the internet and learning about handling snakes and snake venom. Um. Always comes down to that search history, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. So then he. He then, I think, like, this third time was like, okay, the sedatives weren't enough, so he did more sedatives. And the venom of the Russell Viper wasn't enough, so he went and found a more venomous snake. Um, And basically, he was trying to steal all his wife's money because she had a well-off family um, and then marry a different woman. Got it. That was the plan. Oh, boy. Well, how'd you you lose your first wife? The, the new girl asks, "Oh, she got bit by two different venomous snakes. It was a it was a real weird coincidence." Uh huh. Yeah, like right when she got home from the hospital, just boom, another snake. Different location, different house, different snake. 
Um, so what they said with this case was like a big deal because they could prove that an animal was used as a murder weapon, um, which is hard to prove. Yeah, uh, and then he also received a really rare double life sentence. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. As part is. of his punishment, can they just put him in a room full of snakes? He se- It doesn't seem like snakes bothered him. Yeah, but if like you were stuck in a room full of like a hundred snakes, I think anybody would just be uncomfortable. That's true. I mean, especially if there was like a hundred of them, I, that would get... It'd be a lot. You couldn't even sit down because there's just snakes on the floor all all the time. Hmm. Well, that's crazy. And he, I guess he thought like the snake was the key to getting away with it. Yeah, I, especially. I mean, the first time he, I, I think he got a little more like bold about it because the first time that she got bit and went to the hospital, no one suspected foul play. Mm-hmm. Um, and snake bites are really common. Especially that first type of viper that he was using is like common and it crawls into people's houses and bites people. Yeah. Um, so I think that then he just didn't think it through and he didn't think like it would be weird if she got bit by a snake within like a couple of months or like it would be weird if like this super venomous kind of rare cobra just like showed up in our house. Yeah, it's so random. Yeah. Also, I think because she, it wasn't an autopsy the first time she got bitten, they were so worried about like doing surgeries and saving her legs and saving her life that they didn't test her blood for sedatives. Um, so right. he didn't right. think about no the fact to. that. Right. And so he did not think about the fact that they would probably do that and realize. I wonder if the sedatives, sedatives. I wonder if the sedatives saved her life the first time because it would have made her heart pump slower well it he didn't give her enough or like sedatives the first time because oh, she, that's right, yeah. like the pain woke her up um so i don't know well speaking of venom my hypothetical murder i wanted to use spiders because we're talking about creepy crawlies my murder was the spider-man um but did, I don't know if you knew that black widows and brown recluse spiders, they don't really kill people. Hardly ever. No. No. They don't. I mean, maybe back in the day they could have, but there's so much medical inver- intervention now. It really puts you in a world of pain and discomfort, but many cases don't even become that severe. Um, like if it, even if a black widow bites you, it might not use a lot of venom because it doesn't want to. But those that do seek care and they're treated, they all recover. Mm-hmm. But the Black Widow has one of the most potent venoms of almost any creature. They just don't Ooh, have... Oh, you know who else does that's so weird? What? Daddy Longlegs have, oh, like, yeah, yeah. the most dangerous and poisonous venom, but their fangs are too small that it can't puncture human skin. That, yeah, that's so strange. So they could literally be on you, like, crawling around, trying to just, like, bite the shit out of your arm. And, like, you're just like, ah, Daddy Lolly, so cute. <laughs> it's like a T-Rex. Get <laughs> him, my arms are too small. I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you, human. Oh, you're so cute. I can't, I can't bite him. My teeth are too tiny. <laughs> 
So uh, it was interesting to me that it's a very potent venom, but it's just not enough. I mean, it's good enough to mm-hmm. kill a, f- a fly that's caught in a spider web. Uh, right. But yeah, not, not for people. It just really fucks you up. Um, right. So then I went down the internet rabbit hole of milking spiders. <laughs> and they extract it, and that's actually how they make like anti-venom. They need the venom to yeah. make the anti-venom. But to make enough for like one ounce... It, t- it would take an insane amount of spider bites in milking, like like thousands of bites, something crazy, because they don't release that mm-hmm. much at a time. So getting like a vial of black widow venom is not realistic. I suppose <laughs> maybe in the black market or something, if you wanted it for some reason, you could if pay you a lot of money and get it. Money in the, I was going to say, if you had all the monies in the world. So my, my plan, seeing that that didn't work very well, was to get a very aggressive spider to bite Kelly, hypothetically. And since I'm the bug guy, I'll take care of the bug. She won't see it. And I'll say, oh, that was a black widow. We need to go to the hospital and get antivenom. And what I found out was that antivenom, it's made by with, with the actual venom. But apparently, people can have deadly adverse reactions to the antivenom. So they don't administer it unless you absolutely have to have it because there's there's risk in there. Okay, that kind of makes sense, I guess, because it's like just basically a different type of venom. Yeah, and I think too, if you aren't bitten by that creature and you get the antivenom, you have a higher chance of a, a very poor reaction. Well, yeah, then it's like you're just getting venom venom. Mm-hmm. So my staged bite from a, a non-highly you know, highly potent venomous spider will result in a hospital visit and a demand for the antivenom, and then I'll just be rolling the dice to see if she has a major adverse reaction to it. And then my excuse is, I, I mean, it, I thought it was a black widow. It looked like a black widow. I just smashed it. It's dead in the trash can. Well, I mean, it wouldn't even have to be an excuse because it could have been a black widow and she still could have had like an adverse reaction. So Yeah, that's true. He just gets to be like this the sad boy sad about it. He's going to be so sad boy. <laughs> um, that's funny because it was similar to mine, um, except for on par with my um, murder, I was going to use a snake. I figured, I I figured seen, you might. <laughs> I'd seen these stories about people who like a lot of times in Australia, Australia has fucking terrible snakes and mm-hmm. they crawl up inside of your car um but the other thing they do is that they hang out in your toilet um and then people like lift the lid of their toilet (laughs) and they're like trained at this point to like lift the lid of their your toilet and like look to make sure that there's some spider in your toilet or not spider there's not a snake in your toilet um so i was going to buy a snake on the black market or from my friendly neighborhood snake catcher (laughs) Um, one, I would use a burner phone and a fake name and cash. I mean, if you go hiking long enough, chances are you'll find a rattlesnake. Yeah, right? So either get a snake catcher friend to hook me up with a snake or try and catch a snake myself, which sounds like it would take a while and it's the wrong time of year. That's a summer activity, if I've ever heard of it. Snake hunting? Anyway. Snake hunting is a summer activity. It is not. They hibernate, right? They're cold-blooded. They don't like cold, so they, like, get all tired and stuff. No, it's it's hot, Um, the song. Never mind. Go on. Oh, 
wait, let me finish this and then I have something else to tell you. Anyway, so I would get the snake and I would put it in our toilet so then when he sat down on the toilet, it would bite him in the butt. Hashtag toilet snake. You know what's <laughs> funny? If, if your toilet's clogged, you snake it out. Yeah, so then a friendly neighborhood snake could swim up your pipes. Oh. <laughs> the sewage system. Uh, the other downside of that is that rattlesnakes are not huge. Like, you'd be better off going to your friendly neighborhood snake friend and getting a snake that's, like, chill with being in water because that is not rattlesnakes. Mm -hmm. That's true. So, um, anyways, speaking of hibernating, though, have you watched, like, the Fat Bear Awards? I have not watched the Fat Bear Awards. Okay, so there's this thing. That I have recently learned about. Um, Fat Bear Awards 2021. Um, so the winner this year, the champion of Chunk, is 480 Otis, who I think has won. Yeah, he's a four-time winner. Anyways, what they do is in the Katmai National Park and Preserve, uh, which I think is in Alaska. Yeah, it's in Alaska. Mm-hmm. They watch these bears like all year long and they take pictures of them in like the summertime when they're like super or after they come out of hibernation when they're like super skinny. Um, oh, yeah. And they take their before picture and then they take like after pictures and basically it's like March Madness. Um, but you like try and guess which bear at the end of the like summer and fall is going to be the fattest before they go back into hibernation. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and it's like this whole entire thing that people in Colorado are really into. Um, and then you like, I guess just like guess and then they go through each week and like take pictures of them. And then decide at the end of it which one, based on pictures, because they're obviously not going out and, like, weighing these bears. But uh, via pictures, they decide which bear is the fattest. That's pretty funny. We should do that in our off-season from 12 fantasy football. Bulging, Twelve bulging bears battled it out to take home the illustrious title of Alaska's fattest bear. Thousands cast their vote. And the annual competition, which compares the pre-hibernation weight gain of these bears. Otis <laughs> took the crown again. And it's got, like, this before and after, and you, like, slide it. And the before one, he's so skinny, you can see his little bear ribs. And then in the after one, he is just, like, like the giant, bear. ginormous. That's cool. Honestly, he looked the skinniest in the before picture like that dude must run through some food. maybe it's opposite um, like on the the biggest loser shows the people who are the heaviest they they have the e e usually an easier time at the beginning losing a lot of weight because they have more to lose maybe it's like yeah. maybe it's the opposite for bears you're like i'm so skinny i can pack on the weight yeah i'm hungrier anyways fat bear awards um, you heard it here first mind. folks fat bear awards <laughs> You might have heard it somewhere else. It's apparently wildly popular. We heard popular. it here. I heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when you are taking a break um, from looking up murders of snakes or checking your attic uh, for people living in it, which also reminds me, totally different topic I need to talk to you about. They call them the mole people of Las Vegas, but there's apparently like 
hundreds of people who live underneath the Las Vegas Strip in like these tunnels and they never come out into oh like gosh. the daylight and so they're called the mole people anyways um if you're not checking now your basement or your attic for um a person living in there uh remember that marriage is messy and murder is messier